Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God for our consideration this Sunday is our gospel, Mark four, uh, Mark 1, verses 4 to 11, as printed in your bulletin and already read. Dear friends in Christ, chances are good that most of you, perhaps all of you, who really wanted to see the new Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi, have seen it by now. Not so much because all of you were that excited that you had to see it right away, but more that you wanted to see it before other people ruined it for you by, you know, with spoilers, revealing, you know, that they share in conversation or social media posts or or detailed reviews about the movie. I had a rather key plot point in the last one revealed to me that way before I saw it, so I was happy that my family and I got to the theater for this one before that could happen again. But in the meantime, I made sure I did not read any reviews or articles about The Last Jedi. But since then, I have read some, and I've learned something interesting. Don't worry, no spoilers here. For the most part, the professional critics have said that The Last Jedi was a really good movie. But there are lots of negative reviews that are coming from Star Wars fans. They're not complaining about the special effects or about the acting, but they don't like what was done with the story. You see, they were expecting questions that were raised in the previous movie to be answered certain ways in this one, for particular characters to develop in certain ways, and for various situations to be resolved in a certain fashion. And they weren't. They were disappointed because things did not all come together the way they wanted. Now, I suppose that if we submitted the events of Christ's life and how they are observed as a part of the church calendar to professional and amateur reviews, that we would find a similar kind of disappointment with the baptism of Jesus by John. After the big celebration of Christ's birth and all the talk about what that meant for the world, some people might have high expectations for the next installment, for the plot that follows. More drama, more detail, and almost certainly more character development than is allowed by a jump straight from his infancy to the beginning of his ministry at 30 years old. But we can give thanks that God did not take the reviews of critics, friendly or unfriendly, into account when he planned our salvation and wrote the story of the gospel. Because the truth is that things all come together the way he wanted in this baptism. And this is exactly the way we need things to be. Characters, concerns, and things of great consequence all meet 
and meet well in the waters of the Jordan. So let us stretch our minds a bit and imagine. Imagine that you are there by the Jordan River that day, and that you are given a special gift of sight. Whom and what do you see? First, of course, you see John doing what he is most famous for, baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He is clothed in camel's hair, and he wears a leather belt around his waist. His life in the wilderness and simple lifestyle are are evident even in his diet. He eats locusts and wild honey. As you have watched him at work, you have seen people from all over Judea and Jerusalem coming to him, confessing their sins and asking for baptism in order to find forgiveness from the Lord. But then someone different meets him there at the water. Someone unlike all the others. Maybe this is obvious from the way he presents himself somehow, but it is certainly seen in the way John greets him. Because John hesitates to baptize him. John knows who he is and knows that he has no sins to be washed clean of. But Jesus insists. No, this must be done. I need you to baptize me. Now we don't know how long it has been since Jesus and John last met. The first time was when they were both still in their mother's wombs. Although they are related, we we don't know if they kept up a relationship through the years. But we do know that they each know who each is. John is the forerunner appointed by God to prepare the way for the coming Messiah and Savior. Jesus is that Messiah and Savior. And Christ's appearance at the river this day signals a changeover. John's ministry of preparation is at its end his purpose fulfilled because Jesus has come and now begins his ministry and his mission of saving the world. So what you are seeing from your observation point here, what you are seeing come together at the water's edge is not just two people. Also there is the old covenant between God and his chosen people, Israel. Because that, too, has reached its end and goal. Both the line of the promised Savior and all the promises attached to his coming have been maintained and preserved through the centuries. And it is now time for the new covenant, ushered in by the ministry of Jesus and found in and founded on his blood which is to be shed on the cross as payment for all the world's sins. This means that we can also see 
all the prophets and prophecies of the Old Testament which spoke of the Messiah, meeting him there at the Jordan, with all of the Holy Spirit's words about him fulfilled and ready to be put into action. And because they are so intimately connected to the new covenant in Christ, you also see, though not quite so clearly yet, because the time for all of them has not yet come, you also see the means of grace revealed in in power and purpose. The word of the Lord thunders from heaven even as it is fulfilled here on earth. And baptism works its cleansing, forgiving work. And the humility and simplicity of the situation make it clear that that the righteousness and innocence being provided through word and sacrament are not produced by, by the efforts of any person, but are only and entirely the work of our gracious God. Because He is merciful and loving, and gives us we cannot achieve for ourselves. But most wondrously of all is, is what we might call the family reunion of the Godhead. Just as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. I am well pleased with you. We are not told what anyone else at the Jordan saw, but we can see it because we are told the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the name and names into which we all are baptized, they are all manifested when Jesus is baptized, each showing himself in his own unique way. Seeing this, like this, is is unprecedented, and it demonstrates what a momentous occasion this is for all the world. But the coming of the Father and the Spirit to the Son is important not just for what it says to sinners, It's important also for their Savior, because another figure meeting there is Christ's need. Now, we don't usually think of Jesus as needing anything. He is, after all, the Son of God, with perfect knowledge and a perfect relationship with his Father and the Holy Spirit, and and infinite power, too, though he humbly keeps it hidden. But Jesus is also a fully human man. And it is necessary for him to receive baptism this day. And the affirmation of his Father's love and the Spirit's presence and power is the anointing and strengthening he requires as a man before embarking on the difficult, taxing, and trying mission that lies ahead of him. The very next thing on Christ's agenda after this is his temptation by Satan in the wilderness. And then after that, 
begins about three years of constant teaching, traveling, teaching, healing, preaching, discipling, and more. But everything Jesus needed to begin his ministry is given to him here. His needs are well met. And most importantly, so are ours. Try to picture that too. Appearing at the water's edge is your need for forgiveness for all your sins. You are a sinner. And each and every sin has earned you God's condemnation and a place in hell. You cannot undo your iniquities. You cannot offer Him anything to overlook your disobediences. You cannot outweigh your rebellions with works. And alongside that is your need for restoration and reconnection. Your sins have separated you from your Creator. And there is a God-sized hole in your heart and soul that nothing else can fill. And of course, another need presents itself there at the river all out of breath and ragged because death is always nipping at its heels. Your need for life, eternal life, because death awaits us all. But for the unbeliever, the grave is the gateway to a very much unwanted eternity. And every one of those needs of ours, and so many more, are well met with and in this baptism. They meet Jesus, who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Three short years later, he suffers and dies on a cruel Roman cross, and his blood, shed there for us, cleanses us of all our offenses, all our guilt, all our hostilities. Our needs meet baptism itself which Christ gives its power so that it is a washing of regeneration, taking away our sins and giving us new life so that we are born again and made what we never were before, pure, righteous, holy, able and eager to serve God. And all those needs meet Christ's Father and He becomes our Father too. We are sealed with Him in baptism and given the Holy Spirit with faith and strength and wisdom and comfort and more. We are restored and connected again so that we also may now take our place in the family of God. So this is what you have seen. All these things, all these people, all these needs and concerns and matters of consequence, they all come together at the Jordan River and they are all well met in Christ and in baptism. And it is all exactly as it should be and exactly according to God's plan for you and me and for all people from all eternity. Jesus reveals himself as as the servant of God who restores the ones God has preserved in Israel. 
and also as the one appointed and anointed to be a light for the nations. Jesus is exactly who he is supposed to be and is doing exactly as he should. And so his father is not just satisfied that things are coming along. He is well pleased with his son. Which means that his father is also pleased with us. Because we have been given Christ's righteousness to be our own. He exchanged it for our sin on the cross. We have been declared innocent, made holy, brought into his family, made his own through baptism and by faith in his Son. God delights in us for the sake of his Son. The Jesus who went down into death and came up again to life. The same Jesus we see going down into the water and coming up again to do his life's work. Saving us and all the world. So at Christ's baptism, we see so much and we see so many who are well met. And God, God is well pleased. And so we come. We come and worship the one who came to do this all for us. Alleluia. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.